What's up, everybody? My name is Joshua Stein of the J. Stein Law Firm, and welcome to the next episode of Sports and Torts, where every week we get together to talk with our peers, colleagues, and friends about things that have interest to us, sports, law, and the business. Let me first thank everyone for the overwhelming support that we have seen as we've begun this podcast. It is, it is so very much appreciated. We have now recorded six episodes. Today is the seventh, and we have just passed 1,000 unique downloaders uh, or downloads with 1,000 unique listeners. And that's just really humbling to, to us to think that that many of you have taken the time to listen. We, we really appreciate it. Uh, I'm really excited about today's episode. With us today is my friend, Bo Patel. Bo is an extremely sharp guy who has worked at companies both big and small. He has founded companies and sold companies. He's really done it all and is going to give us great insight into you know, good business practices. Bo is also an Auburn graduate, and we don't hold that against him. Um, <laughs> You know, I don't want to be accused of only talking UGA on here, so Bo is going to come and be the voice for, for Auburn Nation. Um, so, Bo, we're very glad to have you. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. But first and foremost, congratulations on the 1,000 downloads, man. Um, so what's going to be your goal on this? Where you want to take this thing, man? <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were going to ask me a question when I brought that up. Uh, good question. I don't know. Um, I didn't start this with any particular goal in mind of, of how many people would listen or, or, or how many downloads to get. But um, it, it, it just, you know, it, it makes me feel good that people have thought enough to give it a chance. Heck yeah. Um, and I hope they're enjoying it. I know they're going to enjoy your episode today. Oh, man. I, so um, I don't know to answer your question. Well, I think, I mean, it, it's a great little setup. I like, I like what you have in the sense that you're you're talking about more business, more law, more, you know, anything from an adult standpoint, but also the other half of what adults like is the fact that we like sports. And, you know, I I had to pay you enough money to finally get on this uh, podcast to talk about Auburn a little bit, because, you know, if if I could, I'd have to drown out all the Georgia stuff first and foremost. Is your check going to cash when I I leave here today? It'll bounce. Don't worry. (laughs) It all went to Bruce. All right. It all went to Bruce. (laughs) By the way, we'll get into that, but what did y'all give him, a $50 million contract? Something ridiculous, but you know what? We're a basketball school now, so let's just keep going. (laughs) So, so, So you just did a little defense mechanism. You knew that I was gonna gonna be forced to ask, not forced to ask, because that's the right question, that Auburn, after all these years, is now a basketball school. So you, so, so you hit it off at the pass. You, you're huh? 100% right. You know where I grew up, right? I grew up right here in East Cobb, man, along with your wife, n- right. needless to say. So your wife and I did go to high school together. We at Wheeler High School. Shout out to Wheeler. Shout out to Wheeler. <laughs> Very good. We're going to have a good time here today. Um, we're here together at my office. We are drinking um, tequila and oh, yeah. Topo Chico. This is oh, the second, second time that Topo... Ranch water. This is called Ranch Waters, yes. Beautiful. Second time Topo has made its way onto the podcast. The tequila we're drinking is um, El Boston Del Rey Silver, which... Good is, stuff. It's good to me. We got a lime in there. So um, we're going to have a good time. So, so Bo, tell us, um, tell us about, you know, you went to Auburn, you... You, you, you majored in MIS, yep. Management Information Systems, yep. um, which was like a computer program and a computer degree before it was kind of cool, right? Like yep. everybody's now into computers, but 20-something years ago, that wasn't the case. Yeah. So, Thanks for reminding me about the 20-some years. Yeah, it's, it's getting there now. Time, time doesn't lie. We're time all, we're does all not lie. So take us back, and maybe you want to start before Auburn, but, sure. but what, what led you to, to Auburn and to yeah. study 
Honestly, this is going to be an interesting, uh, that's an interesting question and a uh, uh, silly answer, but I actually, you know, when, when I was at Wheeler in 19, I went to Wheeler from 1990 to 1994, and I was um, uh, applying for college my senior year. You know, everybody and their mother got into Georgia back then. Now, uh, I will be honest with you. Yes, we all got into Georgia, but now I couldn't get into Georgia if I tried. I'm, I'm not smart enough to get into Georgia. One, I'm not a smart guy, first thank, of all. Thank God I applied in 1996 and not 2021. That's right. There's no way I'd get in. Um, but I actually was, for a hot moment, thinking about going to Georgia. It didn't sit right with me. Then I actually applied to Emory, and I got into Emory. And I was going to do the typical, if, if, if the audience hasn't figured out who I am yet with the last name Patel, I'm a I'm a short little brown guy, you know. So I take that. You're back. much more than that. I'm a, I'm a little taller brown guy, but regardless, you know, we're well, supposed to go. Well, you're from India. Well, I, I grew I I was born in India, but I moved here when I was six years old. But um, you know, uh, being Indian, and everything. Oh, you know, I should be a doctor or a lawyer, and I, I missed both those trains real quickly. Ended up, um, you know, I was enrolled to go to Emory, and it was around July of 1994 and I decided I don't want to go to Emory I'd already had my housing information and everything so I went down with a buddy of mine down to Auburn to just go check out Auburn the Plains the Plains walked in there walked into the administration or uh, uh, the admissions office and said I want to apply I brought my transcripts with me just in case and I got my letter so potluck and all that Auburn started in August or September because they were on a quarter system. So Eventually. one month, yeah, sure. Applied to Auburn. It's the best decision I ever made. So you, you applied right before you started. Right before I started a month. So yeah, and then I ended up in MIS, like you said. MIS was an interesting degree because it was probably my fourth degree. Um, I started off because in, you completed the first three. Or no, <laughs> no, not not at all, brother. Not at all. Um, I I was just a person who couldn't make up my mind. So I was actually into architecture for a hot minute, and then I went into uh, hospital administration, then ended up in finance. And that's where I studied with my now wife. Uh, we studied accounting and finance, and I got two Ds in one quarter. And I said, I can't handle this major in finance. Couldn't get the accounting T-tables to save my life. So I went to MIS, and for some reason, I understood it. It wasn't something I was passionate about. A lot of people go into something that they're passionate about. It wasn't a passion. It was just the fact that, hey, this is a good degree. I see that, you know, we're getting close to the Y2Ks and all that other world. And there were a lot of jobs out there. Yeah, so you're ahead of your time going in that direction. So my experience at Georgia was called um, MSIT 312. Right. And then they changed it to MS 3000 when we went to the, the, the semester system. So I was in the business school. It was a required class we had to take. Right. And you only had to take the entry class. And by God, that was all I was going to take because I'm not that great with, I'm better now, but back then, like I wasn't as much into computers. So, uh, me and, uh, Jason Gans, who you yep. know, he's been on this podcast before as well. Uh, we're in this class and our roommate, his name is Adam Fisher, who I don't think, you know, he mm -hmm. lives in New York, but he's, he was very good at computer still is. It's his mm -hmm. job. He's big into data. Um, and so they'd give us these projects and we wouldn't know what the hell we were doing. And so he would, he would have to either do them for us or help us. And the first thing we had to do was learn to use Excel, which that you might as well ask me to like, you know, crack the code of Roman hieroglyphics. <laughs> so me and Jason Gans, and, and he will not dispute this. He's good at Excel now. We actually would use our calculators 
to to wow. work to work through an Excel. Those nice formulas that are sitting in Excel yeah, yeah, just we, weren't we, working for you. No, it wouldn't work. I hear you. No, no, we we didn't we didn't trust those formulas. So we have the Excel spreadsheet on one screen. We got to calculate the other. So that was the extent of my MS career. Yeah. Um, so you use that to to your first your first job out of college, I think, was at IBM. Yeah. So so talk about that transition and what kind of job, what kind of role you took. So uh, you know, the, let's 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 you know talk about the elephant in the room again. I, I I may look like a guy who's great with computers because of my ethnicity and everything, but I stink at coding. I was not a coder. I was not one that could sit and you know uh, work on databases and redo this and you know run these special reports for everybody. So I. Honestly, and this is, you know, we're in circle of trust right now, right? Yeah, my, my circle of trust tells you, I don't even know what coding is. Okay. I don't so know what it is. Here's our circle of trust here. I BS my way through most of my uh, uh, MIS degree. And, and the reason is, is because I'm not a good coder. It's not up my wheelhouse. What I did understand, what I did do good at was the fact that I had the gift of gab and I could sell. So when I got to IBM, it was more of a sales job. Don't you think that those are the two biggest attributes that you can have in, in business, right? Is, is everybody's got to sell whatever, whatever, you know, sell yeah. something and be able to talk to people. Like that's the foundation of doing good in any walk of life. Yeah. And I think in, in school today, it's, it's so, you know, kids are going to school right now and they're, they're learning all these great things in, in, in life, which I completely and sincerely want my children, your children, everybody else's children to understand. But at the end of the day, it's not about just learning this one little facet of the world. If you have the gift of gab, you can talk, you can actually explain what these other people who are very smart people are doing. There's such a big market for you out there. You become an asset to any organization that you're in. Any organization, regardless of what, you know, uh, functional area it is, whether it's engineering, MIS, whatever. So you're 21 years old, mm-hmm. graduate Auburn, go to work for IBM, which at the time is the biggest computer company yep. in the world. They even consider itself a computer company? Like one of the biggest it was, companies. yeah. It yeah, was. So, so you walk right in day one. What's your job? What's your experience? What do you recall from those days? Oh, my gosh. One, it was a long time ago. But two, what I, what I do remember is the fact that it was an eye-opening experience. You know, you come out of college. College is such a, such a uh, contained area, right? You, you, everything is not – it's real, but it's not really real. We all know that. And you get out into the real world and it's like, hey, I got to get up in the morning. I'm going to be going to this job. I'm going to be leaving this job at a certain time. And everything was just pretty much over and over and over again. And what I did for IBM was we sold, um, I mean, it's been a long time, but we sold a bunch of uh, high-end mainframes and infrastructure to some really big boys up in New York and, you know, Florida and all those other places. So we would, you know, trade out their their machinery, sell it, resell it, do whatever we needed to do with the actual machines itself. So it had nothing to do with with MIS at that point. Yeah, and really, I think the first jobs are are more more like the routine, the habit, the understanding work, the understanding the, the way office works making sure you show up every day, dress appropriately, know how to talk. Like, that's what you learn from those first jobs. You sure do. And I think that you you do, you, you can do a disservice by missing out on that first job at some big company. I mean, that's where yeah. m- most of our friends, that's, yeah. that's what you do. Like, who else is going to hire you? Nobody's going to hire so you. So you're them. there for a little while. Then you go to another big company. You go to Ernst & Young. Yep. And um, I, I needed to get out of the everyday office experience. So what I ended up doing was looking for a consulting gig. And... 
if I were to recommend anything to anybody, it would be go do consulting when you're young. Go out. You want to go out and see the world. Before you have a family. Before before you have have a family. All of that because it is a lot of time away from home. When you're single, you got nothing, you know, holding you down. Perfect opportunity. You're not going to be able to see what you want to see if you're going to, you know, one of my areas that I went a lot to was San Francisco. To this day, I still get a little cringy when I get to San Francisco because of the fact that every time I went to San Francisco is for work. It's usually a what? Leave Monday morning back. Leave Monday morning Thursday come back or Friday. Thursday evening. It's a grind. Now your Delta Sky miles are, oh my are, are, gosh. are loaded. Uh, your hotel points were loaded. Who, oh, yeah. who was your hotel of choice? Uh, I did. So moving forward, when when I went to Oracle or PeopleSoft at that point, that's where the real, you know, uh, uh, road grinding kicked in. My choice was Delta, obviously being in yep, Atlanta, of course no Delta. Um, and then I shifted from uh, Marriott points to Starwood points just because I wanted a couple different choices. But I got stuck in Houston. For two years, I got stuck in Houston. Didn't have to check out of my hotel room for, I want to say, about five or six months. Oh, gosh. Staying through the weekends? No, no. No, no. I'd come Monday to Thursday. They would give me my room. They wouldn't check me out of my room. And I'd come in with a backpack and leave with a backpack. So you were in a room, you know, 214 Mm -hmm. every time. Come back, leave your stuff. That's crazy. I'm a Marriott guy. Always have been. Um, My wife, uh, her family was Marriott's, and we got married. Yeah. With the Marriott card, the points, and... I mean, my God, you know, you can you can absolutely increase your travel experiences quickly with, with doing that. So uh, we're pretty much 100% Marriott. Oh, are you? Yeah. Oh, I like yeah. to move around still just because I like to have a little bit of variety. But, you know, we paid for our honeymoon through all my points. You know, we paid Did your for... wife know that? Did you tell her that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, awesome, because she's the one that told me to get off the road. <laughs> she said, well, you better get me a better diamond ring than if you're not paying for all That's this right. honeymoon, right? I, I know your lovely wife. Oh, uh, yeah. She better have asked you that. <laughs> um, so so, so you're, you're, you're doing the consultant thing. You've got to do it before you have a family. 100%. Um, and then I don't want to fast forward to, to the end, but it, 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 after Oracle, you were there for several years, yeah. you, you got the uh, itch, the desire, made a decision that, you know, you've got your experience, you've worked with these big companies, you want to do something on your own. Yeah. Talk us, talk us like through that process, because it's something that a lot of people want to do. They think about it, they talk about it, but it's harder to make that decision to do it. Oh, man. So, so take us through all your thoughts, your emotions, yeah. like your decision tree. What, what led you to that place? So starting my own business, you know, that I've always had an itch to be my own boss, just like probably 90% of the world. They want, they don't want to report to somebody. They don't want to, you know, uh, be tied to something that they don't have ownership in. All that being the case for me, you know, that itch was there for so long, but it also took a long time to find something. And that's something I think people, if, if you really have the desire, the want, you got to take your time. So let, let, me, let me ask, do you mean a long time to actually get up the gumption and courage to do it or to find the right thing to do? Uh, to find the right thing to do. Okay. Um, the gumption was always there. The, the, the pie in the sky is always there. It's like, oh, man, I'm going to be my own boss. You, you're your own boss. So for me, it took me... It took me a minute. I mean, it took me probably two years of really, really? like considering it, okay. um, getting different opportunities um, to actually 
I'll use the word gumption again to actually yeah. make that move. So it's 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 a, it's not a it's not an overnight thing. It is not an overnight thing. It takes it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of preparation because what you're doing is you are leaving the safety net of a big company that's already proven itself. Now you're going in, you know, from when you were working for your law firm, the the law firm right out of school, and then the second law firm that you were working for, they're established lawyers there. You've got established cases there. You you knew you were getting into something. When when you as Josh decide to go out on your own, you gotta you gotta start you know digging for for opportunities. You're starting as well. at zero. You're starting, starting at zero. zero. You're responsible for creating whatever the idea is, the vision of the firm or the company, selling it. Yep. You know to whoever your customer is, executing it, getting staff in place. So yeah, I mean, you're, you're, there's nothing to fall back on to say this has already been done. You have to create it all. Hundred percent. And I think that owning a business is personality driven too. I think everybody is not meant to own a business. I think there are people that are great at working at big corporations. There are so many people that do so well in big corporations because it allows them to thrive and use their expertise that they have in different facets of that big company. That's right. But then there are people that I, I probably, staying at Oracle or you know wherever I would have been at, I think I wouldn't have accelerated as high as I would have wanted to because I don't have the right skill set to work for a big corporation. Right. I know my weakness, and that's my weakness. And so once you identify that about yourself, yeah. you owe it to yourself to follow the path that fits more with what you're doing. Yeah, and it takes guts. It takes guts. So um, you were married by this time. I was married by this time, and prior to that, my lovely wife, Carolyn, uh, when I was a uh, consultant for Oracle, like I said, I was going to Houston, you know, ended up on different projects in Houston for close to two and a half years. And Carol and I were dating and she said, listen, the one thing I want you to do is get off the road. If, it, if that means take a different position within Oracle or if leaves Oracle, leave Oracle, whatever the case may, may be, get off the road. Um, and that was, my wife is, I, I've, 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 she's brilliant. But I think that that piece of advice was Brilliant very, yet still married you? Yeah, no. I mean, sometimes, I mean, you know, blind squirrel found a nut there. Buddy. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I tell you, it's, it's one of those things where if I didn't get off the road, I saw what was happening to other people. Not saying that it would happen to me, but I saw what was happening to other people that I know that were married that were on the road. And that's not the path that I want. That to. wasn't the lifestyle you're looking for. No. So, so one one word that we haven't used yet, but I think is an important one, is fear. Right? There's fear of making that decision. Um, and and how I know that you are fearless is because you voluntarily pitch for our slow pitch softball fracture team. <laughs> and, cool. and 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 if you have. If people who know slow pitch softball, especially around here, where there's some big old boys, there's it, some big boys. Uh, if, if you have the the courage to stand out there in front of everybody and underhand lob a softball to these dudes, like you, you, you're, you're fearless. I, I think if you're going to say fearless or stupid, which one are you going to go with that? Because the, I can also say stupid. The and that two was are, one of the stupid. Those two words ever. are connected, right? They, they I mean, are. Like like you have to have a certain amount of I won't say stupidity, but you have to have a you know, your brain's going to be wired a certain way. Saying I'm willing to take the chance and see what happens, both in business and Oof. on the softball field. Yeah, you know, thank goodness that they started putting the nets up. <laughs> it did. So, so we're not going to talk too much about softball, but tell me, like, because I've never pitched in softball. Um, 
we've had lots of games that went into the last inning where the other team just stopped swinging. Like they're, 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 they're trying to bait someone on base to get a walk mm-hmm. because then they saved the home run to do that. Yeah. And like everybody's looking at you and it's like, I got to throw a strike. Like what's going through your brain when that right arm is, is coming down? And, and Well, the first thing that comes through your brain is don't pee in your pants because it, it is nerve wracking. And it is. But then you kind of realize, OK, whatever happens, this isn't the end of the world. Right. We're still going to Suburban We're Tap afterwards so you can go grab tap. some beers. But let's pause here. On you, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something about you. You are probably one of the best athletes I've ever met. Oh please! And you are. And and well, I appreciate and you not, saying that. But. You know, I, I want my twenty dollars back for that. By the way, but what I was saying is, is you know, this guy, what was it? Two years ago, our buddy uh, Brian Karen had a uh, home run derby for the dads, and uh, good old Steiny comes in here. And we've got some dads that can hit. We've had some dads that were, you know, played at uh, college and played, you know, professionally here and there. And they came out, and good old Josh Stein comes in here, and, you know, good old me here had no home runs. I had some hit the wall, but none out of there. And I was so embarrassed. And then Josh Stein comes in here and just starts belting him out and taking out the best of the best and takes home the championship. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, it actually is true. Um, yes, it is. <laughs> uh, that was one of my better moments, one of my, one of my better nights. Um, Andrew Bell, God bless him, was, was pitching, and he was just throwing everything right there, right there, right there. Nice. Doug Cox was working the sound. He had the music going, and sometimes you just get in that, yeah. you know, like, you know, you I mean, I guess it was swing, like Michael man. Jordan in game six, game seven, just dropping. I just you felt found that. Your swing. I, just, I just equated myself to Michael Jordan. Did you, did you see that? Hey, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen you play basketball just yet. Yeah, I'm, that, that, trust me, <laughs> I, have, I have retired from any sort of activity after that home run derby. I'm just, I'm just going out on top. So that's, thank that's you for bringing that do, up. Man. I appreciate take, that. Take the belt home with you. I, I appreciate you. that. So, so let's get back to you know, something that people will hope will be right, productive, which is um, you said that you, you, you went through a couple of different ideas of what businesses to start. Yeah. Um, talk a little about kind of you know, what worked, what didn't, what you were thinking, and what you ultimately landed on. So this is a crazy one, man. I tell you, I started looking at anything and everything. Um, it didn't matter. And, and when you're looking at a business, one of the, one of the um, uh, piece of advice that I can give here is don't limit yourself on what you're looking for. Because you don't know what you want until you actually, it comes to you and, and your gut tells you this is the right thing. I looked at most franchises. You know, I would have been saying, welcome to Moe's over to Moe's. Okay. Right? I looked By the at, way, I'm a Chipotle guy, but go ahead. And you know what? Chipotle was barely opening when I was looking at Moe's. I was looking at Moe's when the actual founder of Moe's was down off of uh, Peachtree. And I got to meet him, and he was talking about potentially taking up and setting up the Alpharetta stores, which would have been cool. But, you know, that didn't pan out the way I wanted because I was like, do I really want to run a restaurant? You know? That sounds like a grind. It's a grind. Especially today's age. Imagine if that's the direction you would have gone, I mean, with, with everything that's happened in the last year or two. 100%. Right. Sorry, go ahead. But I no, I, I think it's it's one of those things that you, you don't know. You know, maybe I would have been very successful in it and hired a group to, to help manage it and all that other stuff. But maybe I would have been doing it myself, and I've got one to run, and it's it's a day-in, day-out thing, and I've got no life. Um, then there was – we looked at a floor mat – making floor mats out of the scraps from Shaw. You really did look at everything. I looked everywhere. We looked at 
ice cream stores, eye care supplies. Who is we when you say we? Do you have a business partner? So my business partner at that time was my brother-in-law, okay. my sister's husband and I. He is a uh, electrical engineer. Uh, he's English. He went to Imperial College in London. Uh, brilliant, brilliant guy. So he has the, he was great at finance, which is perfect because that wasn't my expertise. Um, and he and I kept on looking, kept on looking. And what we decided was, look, you've got an opportunity in buying a business. One of the areas that we think we're going to do really well in is medical supplies. And that's where we ended up with our medical supplies company. And we bought a small rinky-dink mom and pop over in um, Florida. We bought it out of Florida. So did you buy an existing yeah. company or existing We entity? bought an existing medical supplies company that sold latex gloves and nitrile gloves. That was their initial thing. So my brother-in-law and I flew down to Fort Lauderdale, bought the company, loaded up a U-Haul, the biggest U-Haul van we can find, brought the product up here, leased out a warehouse. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is such a big U-Haul, so weighted that we had to stop at every way station. So you're, so you're literally bringing back the product. To we are Atlanta. literally bringing you're back. You're driving or you're sitting shotgun and y'all, y'all are like, this is it. We found it. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're, once you get to Atlanta, what do you do with all this stuff? Well, we had it. We, we just had signed a lease to uh, bring, in, bring in a warehouse and all that. So we, we brought it into the warehouse, not knowing how to run a warehouse, not knowing what we're doing in that sense. But we had common sense. And in any business, if you have common sense, I think you can be successful if you just take it easy but you put your nose down and you grind and you learn. We're all smart individuals, but it takes energy and effort to be successful. I think that's, that's the key right there, you know? So you have your warehouse, you have your stuff, and now it's like, okay. Didn't have a damn clue what I was doing. Right, we're gonna use our common sense, we're smart guys. Uh, okay. We gotta go sell this to somebody. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm assuming that's like priority number one, someone's gotta buy this. Yeah. So do you, do you look at yourself and you say, Look, these are my characteristics I'm good at. I've got the gift of gab. I can sell. I've been doing this. Like, I'm going to start knocking on doors or making phone calls. Like, 100%, is, that, is that what happens? 100% right there and then. I mean, it was what we noticed was they were running the business as a mom and pop. Even though when we bought the business, it was a mom and pop, what we wanted to do was take it to the next level. To take it to the next level, what we had to do was get out there and start looking at some big customers bring on some big customers. So my job for the next 10 years after buying that business was to run sales and get some of the big boys on board. And we got Piedmont Hospital on board. We had um, Grady, we had uh, Wellstar. So we, what, what did you do to make connections with those places that they're gonna let you in the door? Man, that took years. Right, and I think that's what years. people need to understand is that Networking is it's like planting a little seed in the ground 100%. and watering it. I know it's a cliche, but it's true. But it takes years yeah. for that, that tree or that flower, that plant to blossom and, and grow. And we live in a society that's like now, Instant. now, 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 now. Our Amazon package has to be here now. Mm-hmm. Our email's got to be returned now. This yeah. text message is... And that's not how business works. And I, uh-huh. I do have a little bit of a fear that... That, that this next generation is going to kind of miss that part and that you've got to be willing to, you put 10 years into, you know, into doing something like yeah. you have to have the dedication, the devotion, you got to believe in yourself and the product to do that. Right. hundred percent. I think, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head there about the current generation. It's, it's, uh, it, it's scary to see that 
kids, you know, our kids, right now, what do they have when they get home? They have everything at the tip of their, you know, um, 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 hands, whatever you want to call it. The finger, yeah. The tip of the finger. And you want to watch something? It's there. The streaming's there. You want to, you know, go play a video game? It's right there. You, oh, you need something? Mom and dad are going to get it for you, right? We don't ever have to wait. Our kids, I mean, we're blessed, and that's a great thing, but it's also something that, you know, we as parents are probably all struggling with. Sure. In the sense that are we given everything when they need it? Sometimes a no is not a bad answer. We could do an entire podcast on, you know, on parenting and the, oh the struggles. Gosh. And I think me and you talk about talk about it oh, a lot. A lot. We, we think very similar, like it. Um, we we think along the same lines of, of what you need to do right and, and things you need to do wrong. Yeah. But I, I do think that back to you know, the business discussion about you know investing the time to yeah. foster these relationships. And then once you get there, once you make the sale, quote make the sale, you then have to make sure you treat that person right and do a good job. Like like for for a small business like yours, the sale is not where it ends; it's really where the work begins. Oh, right. It, it's it's everywhere and in between because this is something you brought up such a good point this is a analogy i would use when i was uh doing sales and you know uh, uh, um, my business was such a small business right i didn't have a name behind me so where my wife worked for coke for 20 years i would use that i said my wife has if she says my name is carolyn patel and i'm from coca-cola Somebody answers the phone and they will listen to what she has to say. Doesn't mean that what she's offering is better than what I was offering. It's just the fact that she came from a vetted company that everybody knows about. Already bona fide. And you're already bona fide. So now you come in and say, hey, my name is Bo Patel and I'm with QPS Medicals. How do you make yourself stand out? How do you make yourself stand out is because you have to knock on their door. You, You go in confidently and you say, listen... I understand that my competition is a billion plus dollar company. They're great, but I can also tell you, you as a supply chain person at this hospital, you need to find savings. And me, as a person who's small, needs to get a big fish like you. And imagine if you're my customer, where you will be on my scale. If you're gonna be top of my scale, it doesn't matter what happens, to anything else, I want to make sure you're happy. Your customer service is going to be a A plus 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 right. plus. Because you needed something in the next hour, I can probably deliver it to you in the next hour. That's right. That's right. That that and that that's what that's what I sell too. Yeah. Right. Like I'm selling myself, my small firm. Yeah. That I've I have a, a smaller client base, and when they hire my firm, they know that they're getting my undivided attention, as opposed to these bigger firms. They've got hundreds of clients. They they just can't do that. So the commercials say this. So tell me how to respond back if somebody says, you know what, like, welcome to Atlanta. If, if some people aren't listening from Atlanta, Atlanta is over inundated with advertisements for PAs or uh, personal, personal injury insurance. Yeah, per- you, you can't you can't drive two minutes on the highway without right or, or listen to the radio or or listen to the radio. And they're like, you know, we are one of the largest, and we can we know how to deal with the insurance companies. What makes Josh Stein better? Oh, so now, now, now I'm giving you the your turn. Hey, now you're going to put me on the hot yeah. seat. It's your turn, yeah. big boy. Yeah, no, that's right. So what you just spoke about is that, that my clients, uh, they're going to get me, my undivided attention on their case, my experience. I'm not going to you know, push them off to a paralegal or a mm-hmm. junior attorney or something like that. We have a smaller caseload, so we can dedicate the time to develop every one of their cases. They're not just a number here. 
right? Um, our cases don't come from random people, like random places. Yeah. They always come from someone like you, yeah. just refer to a family member or a friend. So we take that very seriously because I'm not going to make your recommendation not look good. 100%. Right. So everybody who sends somebody to me, I have a, I feel a, a, a big obligation to do a good job, not only for the client, but also for that referral source. Other you take it to heart. Take it to heart. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, personally, I've got the experience doing on the defense side. I, I tell my clients, I know what these insurance yeah. companies think. I know how to kind of, you know, present the case in, 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 a, in a way that gets our clients the best chance of success. Very a lot of these big advertising law firms, they don't handle the cases anyway. They get them in and then they send them out, frankly, to, to firms like mine. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, like, like they get the cases in. Uh, if it's too big or too complex, they just move on to the next. I mean, huh. they, they literally are just, I mean, there's some that they're, they're not all like that, but a lot of them are just advertising firms. But that's interesting. It, it is interesting. Um, but you know, you, you brought up a good point in the sense that you, you have to take things at heart. You have to understand that, you know, when, when we're smaller, um, nobody's going to knock on our door. We're right. the ones that are going to be knocking on their door. Right. That's right. But one other thing that I realized that you brought up was the fact that, um, you know, I've developed all my relationships, my business relationships, as, as well as my jobs that I've had before. They're all because of who I know, not my resume. Have you had that experience? Oh, yeah. It's your, your network is what's most important. My network is beyond more important to me than, than any degree, any course you took. That's also where I build my trust. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. I trust if, if there's a issue that I ever have a need for a personal injury attorney, no joke, I would come to you first because I know you in the sense that you're going to look out for my best interest. If it was a banking question, for example, one of my good friends, our good friends is Chris Catone. Call he, he would be the first person I call from a banking standpoint to say, hey, you know, what What do you think I should do here? I know he's he's not going to take his... He's not going to be selfish on the answer. He's going to be very, very open on what's best for me. That's right. And then if he doesn't know the answer, he tells you who to go to. And and you can trust that you person. You can trust that recommendation. Right? That's Same right. with my business partner, Lance Watson, who we all know very well. Right, right. You know, Lance- so I do want to talk about that with Lance, with what you're doing now. But yeah. before I get there... Um, you, you, this company we just spoke about, you, you've since sold it. Yeah. Right. Which, which that's everybody's, you know, entrepreneur, business person's dream is like you, you create this company, it's your baby, you nurture it, you develop it, you put your blood, sweat, and tears into uh-huh. it to get to a point where somebody else wants to buy it. Yeah. Right. Um, which that's freaking awesome. I mean, it, it is and it isn't. And I'll tell you why, because I, I will say this now, being about four years out of it, I think I sold it two years or three years too late too late okay i feel like i stayed on because i started that spark of owning my own business started where you know wearing off a little bit and it became more of a nine to five type of job and when that happened i started just wanting out um and uh, one thing i learned from that is is when when i felt like that i should have just spoken up and said i need to get out now I'm starting to, you know, get worn out from this. So, so hindsight is always twenty twenty. Hundred percent. When you actually did make the decision to sell it, whether it was the right time or not, right? Um, what was that decision tree like? To be like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna part with this, and what's the process like? Because I've never done that. Parting with it was was not that difficult because I think I'd already checked out. Okay. You know, I was ready, 
in, I, I see a lot of business owners running into that. Um, but that's a lesson. If you learn something from it in the next business adventure that you get into, you can say, you know what? I know how this felt. I know what to look for. If I see this again, I'm, I'm going to, you know, make a different decision a little bit faster or whatever that's best for me. I've learned when, when you sell out business, you have this grandiose idea of what it feels like. Sold my business. Now I'm going to be like, you know, dollar, dollar bills, y'all. That's right. You know, that's we're, that, that's we're the American be, dream. It's the American dream. But then I think a new stress kicks in. My wife, you can ask her, the day after I sold my business, I'm at home. I'm not going to the <laughs> Nothing office. Nothing to do. Right. Right. Nothing right. to do. Checking your email. Check, checks are already in the, yeah. in, in the bank account. I'm like, all right. Uh, now what? So then I, I called my wife. Maybe you lose part of your identity too, right? I did. Yeah. I did. So what I ended up doing was I called Carolyn, I think, three or four times at work. She's I was like, like, you're driving me crazy. So I said, honey, I'm going to go do this today, and I'm going to get this done. I'm going to get this done. She's like, do me a favor. I was like, yes. Stop calling me. I'm at work. I have a job. I have <laughs> I things to do. Not talking like, to you all day I had long. To, I had to explain to her that I'm doing something. You know, like I'm not sitting around doing nothing. And I felt like if I sit around and do nothing, then I'm going to become, you know, I don't want to fall into that trap. So what I ended up doing after I sold the business too was I ended up getting a, um, uh, it's like a square or whatever, uh, what do you call those office places that you can rent? Share, like shared suite? Like shared a, suite like a kind work? of thing. Very similar to WeWork. I can't remember the name of it anymore, but I got it and it was close to the Brave Stadium, the now Brave Stadium. And I would just go into the office and keep myself on a routine to go into the office so that I can keep looking at what I want to do next. So you were going there with the idea of this is going to force me to be productive today. Yes. And it's going to force me to whatever my search engine looks like for the next thing. Because you look, you're a young guy. Like yeah. you're not shutting it down forever. No. No. So that, that's, that's pretty smart, too, because sitting on your couch, drinking, drinking coffee, you can always be dis, you know, yeah. distracted to go do this, to go do that. Um, but if you're sitting in an office with a dedicated task... Physically driving to an office to kind of say, putting, you know getting what... Getting dressed. Today, getting dressed. You know? Physically going into an office and saying, I'm going to go find my next endeavor. So what would that next endeavor turn out to be? Well, you ready? For, you know what it is, but well, I know what it is. People listening, to all. <laughs> it's car washes. Car washes, man. Right. And I tell you, but this actually the 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 light or the uh, twinkle in my eye for car washes really kicked in probably about two years before I sold my business. And I would take my kids to Camel Car Wash right there, close to our houses. They're all the time. And my kids love the lights inside the car wash like oh we love the blue lights and all this stuff and you would buy a car wash and walk purple through. soap coming purple down. soap oh. coming down and all this and i was like you know what this is a happy place for me and my family for for my kids and i because i would take them i remember them being young and for that nice car of yours is happy oh place. Nice that was the too. old car remember i don't have i didn't I haven't had that car yet so but regardless uh, we we you know we get in there and i'm like as a business person this is a brilliant business idea you basically have somebody paying you money. It's all automated. You put your car, you know, you stay in your car, put it in neutral, and it goes through, washes your car, and you, you do your own vacuum. Don't need many employees. Yeah, so I thought. So okay, I thought. It, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe you yeah. do. I'm, I'm picturing when I go. <laughs> I, I thought in, in the beginning, I thought the same thing. Okay, you can run this thing on, you know, a skeleton crew of two employees or three employees. And yes, you can. 
but there's also goods and bads of bringing on more employees at a certain time, taking employees off the you know uh, clock at a certain point in time. But those are things that you learn over time. Sure, sure. Right? So, so Lance is a good friend of both of ours. Yes, love great. Lance. Um, great business, you know, great business mind and, and a lot of different stuff. So you and him. Y'all are partners on these car washes? We are partners as well as a few other folks. But yeah. Lance Lance was, uh, and, you know, I, this goes back to Chris Catone. Um, Catone, actually, we're in the same uh, uh, men's Bible group right. in the morning. And Catone's like, hey, I want you to meet this guy, Lance. Again, it's all through your network. And I've, I met Lance, and ever since that meeting, I was like, you know, I really want to get into car washes. And I need... I was planning on doing it by myself. And then Lance came in into the business too. So I didn't realize that you guys, I thought y'all knew each other from even further way back. No. So it was your idea of the car wash because yes. you wanted to do that. And then and then Lance and the other folks joined mm-hmm. you. Okay, interesting. And then he came in on it and he has that experience. And have, it, real it, estate, it, land, Real estate, buildings. development, everything. He's, he's done everything. And he is, you know, uh, him and Chris and all these guys the the more of a network you have surrounding you of people that you trust and you get into a brand new business endeavor i mean you're setting yourself up for success in my opinion right so you know i i talk to uh lancy pretty much four or five times a day and i don't get tired of talking to him he's he's a good person everybody i talk to and that's that's the other thing i've learned in my old age you know i just turned 46 thank you and, uh, Only a day over 45. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. The white hair really kicks in well. Um, but one thing I've realized is, you know, having these guys next to me while I'm going through this, I enjoy my day. You know, when, when I want to be, I, I get the opportunity to hang out with my buddies. I get the opportunity to hopefully make a dollar or two. Um, and I... I, I do something I really enjoy doing. Life's too short to be chained to a job that a- doesn't bring you satisfaction, man. that you do it only for money. I have that luxury here. Me and Andy Goldner, yeah. who you know, he's been on this podcast before. Yeah. We share office space. Chris Gunnels, another friend of mine. And so we see each other every day, Brian Karen. You know, and, you know, that's that's the way it's supposed to be. And it's a much happier existence. And if you can make a dollar or two along the way, 100%. fantastic. You know, I, I just finished uh, listening to a book, and it, it has something in it. And the book is called uh, The Psychology of Money. Have you ever read that book? It's similar, it's similar to Outliers and all that with uh, Malcolm Gold, Coldwell, Goldwell, Malcolm, Glad, Malcolm Gladwell, Gladwell. Sorry, yeah. Gladwell's books. But in Psychology of Money, they said, what is the goal for anybody and everybody when it comes to money? And the goal that they said in the book is it's not the amount of money that you make it's not the amount of money you have in your bank account it's the ability to say in my life i have the freedom to do what i want to do right 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 that freedom piece it is monetarily linked but it's not it's not the freedom of you know i want to go buy myself a yacht not nothing to do with that i want to have the freedom to choose my day the way i want to do it that's true wealth is ha- is having the the ability to do that. That's the currency that we're all searching for. Yeah. Right? No, I love it. Your 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 thoughts, obviously, as I knew, are, are, are spot on. Your experience is spot on. 
I wish we could talk for hours about just the business side of it, but I promised all my Auburn friends yes, um, that, that we would give, do some Auburn talk on here. Yes, uh, <laughs> finally, finally. So look, I don't, I don't have a problem with Auburn. You lie. I don't have a problem with Auburn. Um, I think that it's pretty funny that George is kicking Auburn's ass the last couple of years after years and years of going back and forth, back and forth. I also find it funny that Auburn is now, as you put it, a basketball school. Auburn is a basketball We're number one in the nation, Crazy. man. How did that happen? It, get, Bruce get, Pearl. Get, 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 give me like the 30-second spiel. Like how in the world did Auburn become number one in college basketball? Auburn became number one in college basketball when Bruce Pearl came on the plane. He and, came from Tennessee. Well, he had a no-show clause after Tennessee because of the fact that he had a recruit at a barbecue party, and he said he didn't. Is that really all the the That is as far was? as the no-show clause was, as far as I know. But I'm not the expert in you know, you can bring in some really good experts to talk about that, but that's the 30,000th of a view of what I know about Bruce Pearl. What I can tell you is seeing him on campus and how he promotes the school, what he does, he is energy. He is hands-on in the sense of we're going to make Auburn a athletic school in the sense of we're a football school. You can't deny it. it used to be a football school. Okay, yeah, yeah, we'll get into that in a sec. But we're also a basketball school. We're also a gymnastics school. Our basketball school. Are We are a gymnastics school, right? Because we have the gold medal uh, winner, Suni Lee, or Sunny Lee, in our uh, gymnastics program right now. Okay, I'll go with that. That is cool. It's cool, cool to have all that. But we, we have a stadium that, or, or our um, uh, basketball arena is something around 9,200 um, uh, seats. And it's sold out. I was I was talking to I think it may have been Lance yesterday. I talked to him about this. I was like, you know, I'm thinking about getting basketball seat. Well, it's interesting is that the last couple of Saturdays you've been kind enough to invite a group of us over to your beautifully brand new you know basement. It looks awesome, by the way. Um, to watch Auburn play, I think Kentucky one week. Yeah. Auburn play like Oklahoma. It's, it's Oklahoma. Last like yeah. it's become it's become like must see TV. Which is a Georgia basketball fan, if such a thing even exists, like we don't have that. So we didn't either. And I was like, ah, basketball, Auburn basketball, great. You know, um, January kicks in, and it's like the dead period until you get to April for A day for us, G day for you guys, right? right? You, you have that gap. And now I'm like, I can't wait for basketball because it is fun to see when you have the Jabari Smiths of the world, the Walker Kesslers of the world. I mean, these boys are putting the ball up, and it is lights so, out. So what is your expectations for March now? Well, we're number one seed so far, but March is a long way away. So, so if if you were to if I were to tell you that Auburn gets bounced in the Sweet Sixteen, you're disappointed with that. It would be a disappointment. If for I if this I tell if yes. I tell you that Auburn makes the Final Four and gets bounced, you're thrilled. It would be thrill slash disappointment. But look at where, what I just told you a second ago. I just said we would be disappointed if we got bounced out of the Sweet 16 for Auburn University to play basketball. That, to me, is such a huge leap and bound from where we were. You just right? proved my point. That's what I was going to say, is that, that even to, to be able to say that yeah. is incredible. What I if mean, I told you Georgia somehow, someway, won the SEC, got into the tournament, made to Sweet 16, got bounced? I'd ask you what you were drinking and smoking. <laughs> um, <laughs> But for, for us, like, if Georgia just makes it to the tournament, we're thrilled. Exactly. So, so for y'all to put yourself in a, in a spot where a Sweet 16 would be a disappointment, like, dilly-dilly to, to you guys. That's awesome. Like, But that was the thing. I told Lance yesterday, I said, hey, I'm thinking about getting basketball tickets. And I looked it up on the system. 
Um, first, you have to make a huge donation like football. I was like, this is basketball. Nope, got to make a huge donation like football. And then on top of that, there's a three-year wait. Three-year wait to get basketball season tickets now. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm too late to this. Uh, so, is, so, so Charles Barkley is an Auburn alum. Yes, sir. Y'all's most famous basketball player. Yeah. Everybody loves Charles. I mean, how happy is that dude right now? Is he just he, screaming from the mountaintops about this program? I love watching him on TNT. He's the best. I mean, he will, you know, good for him to continue to rep the school. He is just one of those guys that just gives it to you bluntly. He's like you. Everybody likes Charles. Everybody likes Bo. Oh, please. You know? Hey, wrong Bo. The other Bo from Auburn. <laughs> well, let's talk about him for a minute, too. All right, you want to talk about the other Bo from Auburn? I can talk so, about him. So, so. Bo Jackson was what early '80s. Did y'all win a title with him? No. He won the he won the Heisman Trophy. Y'all, didn't, y'all did okay. Didn't win, didn't win a title with Cam. Um, what's the current kind of feeling about? Uh, all kidding aside, like yeah. like where Auburn football is. You got a new coach. It's a rough year. You would ask me last week. It would be different than where I am this week. I'm I am you know uh, uh, on the fence right now, but I I, I do support him. I'll be honest with you. Is, to is, get there, to, is the reason why this week because y'all lost a couple coordinators? We lost our offensive coordinator who's been on the job for the last 36 days or 40 days or something. It's tough. So that's a tough loss. But it, uh, supposedly he's saying it's personal. And you, you have to believe somebody when they say that. They've got you know spend more time with their family, more power to them. But the timing can't be pretty good. Or timing's not good right now at all to say that. Um but in the flip side, I don't know what we have in Harson right now. We may have something really good in Harson, but don't have enough data or enough, you know, uh, 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 film on him at Auburn to really tell you. Right. He, the, the hire was out of left field, at least when I saw it. Uh, Boise State, obviously a good program, but usually these big SEC jobs. You, you know the person, right? They're coming from the South. They've got that kind of pedigree. Um, I saw a stat yesterday that I, I, I hate to throw this out at you. But, Go ahead. But Bring I saw that, that since he's been to Auburn, he has won six games and been through five coordinators. True. That's tough. Um, you have to have some stability when you're a young coach like that starting out. You so. sure do. But what? how about we flip that narrative a little bit and say maybe Auburn needs a change. Because here's the fear, right? You and I have had this conversation before, so we might as well bring it up. You've got Georgia to the east of Auburn, which is Auburn and Georgia are not that – I mean, Auburn's, what, uh, 20 miles away from the Georgia border? Geographically, they're fr- – from Atlanta, at least, they're both very similar. Very similar, right? So you've got Georgia, University of Georgia, that's sitting to your east, and you've got the big elephant in the room, which is Tuscaloosa. Pun intended. Pun intended, because they're whatever they are. Um, are up there in Tuscaloosa. What, what they are right now is no longer champion. That's right. That. Congratulations. Um, what, one of the questions I think you may be asking me is, how did I feel about the Georgia-Alabama uh, game? What did I want to happen? The meteor that I was praying for to hit Lucas Oil Stadium did not you know, I don't believe come you. true. I don't believe you for one second. <laughs> I think that you're so, such a nice guy, and you care so much about your friends and have so many Georgia friends you wanted Georgia to win. You wanted you wanted all of us to feel what y'all felt Listen, about ten years ago. I am nothing but happy for you guys. I believe you when you in, say that in, in winning, but I didn't want you guys to win. So you I'll want be Alabama honest, to win. I would have rather had Alabama to win. Really? Yes. Why? From a strategic view for Auburn. Okay. I will. I will tell you. I'm glad you guys won because my buddy's got it. But as an Auburn fan, it makes my life worse because now that's what I was going to. You got 
on your east, if on your east flank, you've got Georgia. That's becoming it, it's been a behemoth, but it's finally becoming a true recruiting behemoth that it should have been under Kirby. Now that that it wasn't under Rick, that it is under Kirby now. You've got Alabama. We all know what Alabama's bringing to the table. So where do we go recruit? Makes right? Auburn's job that much. It makes it harder, tougher. But is this is we had this conversation before too. Is I think the NIL actually helps Auburn. You get your five-star recruits every year, right? Alabama gets their five-star recruits every year. Those five-star recruits stay their freshman year, their sophomore year, figure out that Stetson Bennett is going to be playing quarterback next year too. That five-star recruit's going to be sitting on the bench for two more years before he gets a shot. Maybe he wants to try the transfer portal. Maybe it gives us an opportunity to pick up that five-star recruit that's not being utilized in Georgia. So if you had Auburn's coaches sitting in this room and, and, and you had their ear, you'd say, hey, look, guys, going after the senior in high school, the five stars, we got Georgia over here, we got Alabama over here, we got LSU, like that's a tough road to hoe. Let's yeah. focus some attention on these guys year one or two post, you know, when they get to, to, to college. You're right, they leave left and right. Let's be big players in that transfer portal. That's, that's what you would say? You would say? Today, yes, I would say that until we make our mark back in the SEC. Once you start getting momentum in the SEC, your recruiting picks up. Right now, we go head-to-head against Alabama and Auburn and uh, LSU and anybody of those, uh, uh, Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. I don't know where we stand in that you know, recruiting process. because It's a tough pitch. It is. The, the West is brutal. Yeah. Um, you can't – I mean, Georgia, I don't think, can sell themselves over Alabama. So I, that's a tough pitch, but it's easier than, than, than well, Georgia can, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. They're still Alabama. Um, but it's even harder, like you said, for Auburn to make that pitch. Like, what do you tell a kid who's deciding between those three or four schools? Exactly. But I will tell you, I miss the old days, not, not for the sense that we had a winning uh, program and all that stuff. I miss the old days of from, from a fan perspective, right, when Georgia and Auburn actually had a rivalry. I enjoyed going to Athens or Auburn and knowing that don't know what the outcome's going to be of this game. This sounds so uppity for me to say, but it's true. The last couple of years, the Auburn game hasn't moved the meter for Georgia fans. And, and it, used to be, it used to be the game that we circled that was going to go back and forth. Remember, like Georgia wins in Auburn, Auburn wins in Athens, and it goes back and forth. I remember y'all's 2010 is when you won the championship, mm-hmm. right? With Cam Maybe Newton. Cam. So uh, my friend Stuart Nelson, who hopefully is listening, uh, his cousin or uncle or somebody is a big booster at at Auburn. Okay. And so every I, I need to get their number. Yes, the yes. I mean it's incredible. Like we've sat in boxes with this guy. The heck, it's man. great. Ask Lawrence how many shrimp he ate one time on one of those. Oh, boxes. speaking of Lawrence, well, hold up, hold up. Let's pause this for a second. So I was listening to that podcast from Larry uh, Kessler here, and he said something about. Uh, what was it, four things or three things that you can't do? Oh, he, his, his, his rules, his, his three or four rules of life. All right, one that I almost threw something at my uh, uh, radio when he said this was bow ties. Are you kidding me? <laughs> You're a bow tie? Yeah, he said, he said you can't wear bow ties unless it's with a tuxedo. You disagree. He is not Southern then. Larry, you are not Southern. Uh, You're so listening. His, You're not Southern. So his dad, his dad, his dad came down from New York. His mom I, from Savannah. I am taking away his Southern card. A bow tie is as Southern as Southern can be if you tie it yourself, right? Listen, you're a man. You're a stud. If you got a bow tie on, next thing you know, you know the party's over. 
You just pull it off and you got it sitting right there. So, you're the man. Number one, you're very passionate about this. I didn't, re- yeah. I didn't realize you're passionate about this. Number hey. two, I will say that there's nothing worse than bow tie guy that un- undoes it too early. Oh, too early, yes. Don't, don't, like, 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 party, like, that guy, like that guy wore the bow tie only to, to do what you just yep. said. Yeah, but that's at the end of the party, man. I agree, but sometimes people to. pull the trigger too soon. No, and it's 100%. like, now, now you're the bow tie guy that is trying to try to be the bow tie guy. Agreed. Agreed. Well, I didn't realize, okay, I didn't know that you're the bow tie guy, but now I'm looking forward to seeing you at some sort of a fancy party and you, you damn well better be wearing that bow tie. I, here, here, okay, in all honesty, I got to get on YouTube again to watch how to put on a bow tie because I always screwed up. Well, come on. I come have on. to go YouTube because I can't remember how to do it. It's hard as a... can't be a bow tie guy and say don't have... I'm a bow tie guy. I can say I like bow... I can say I like Bugattis. That doesn't mean I have to drive one. Too funny. Too funny. Well, back back to my Auburn story yeah. because it, it, it is something that I think is... Sorry, we digress. Um, so we had these seats that, that Stuart got us, 50-yard line, uh perfect seats this is you know we talk about humble brags on this show like i guess that's my humble brag and cam newton was you know the quarterback and he was like he was playing against middle school kids he was the most dominant athlete on any sport at any level i've ever seen and you know y'all should have won the the championship that year yeah it was it was a fun year yeah that was a fun year i'll tell you stories that year i went to the national championship where was that? Where was that being played? Phoenix, Arizona. Um, Better spot than Indy. You guys got a little lucky with your location. Yeah, we did. We did our second one where we won in, or when we played in uh, twenty fifteen. We went to uh, uh, what was twenty twelve or twenty fifteen? I can't remember. With uh, Nick Marshall, we were in uh, the Rose Bowl. That was nice too. But you guys have gotten much better locations. Yes, we have. So, so quick, tell us your your, your uh, story at national championship when Auburn. Won. So when we went there. Um, uh, one, it was ice. It was an ice storm here in, in That's Atlanta. That's right. A bunch of y'all got stuck out there. We got stuck, so I went early. And my wife, mind you, my children were one and two years old at this point, right? And Carolyn's at home, ice storm. Power went out at one point in time. I get to uh, Hartsfield, uh, Atlanta Airport, and I'm about to book, board my flight, and she calls me crying. Mind you, one-year-old and two-year-old. She, I was like, what's the matter? What happened? She's like, the DVD player broke. And this is where you had all your little Einsteins and all this stuff. to, keep the, kids. to keep the kids quiet. Exactly. And happy. So I called up my father-in-law. To this day, I still owe him. He, he He'll be listening. Tell, the, tell, me, tell him what you owe him. I, I owe him everything because he, he drove in the ice from East Cobb to Smyrna when we were, where we were living, bought a new DVD player, installed it for Carol, and we were good to go. And I'm like, this is the best thing. What a guy. But on top of that, I get off the plane in Phoenix. I go to the bathroom in the airport. Next to me is Doug Flutie. Oh, cool. Then I go, cool. to, I go to a Mexican restaurant that night, and there's, it's a, just a typical Mexican restaurant, nothing fancy. And it's a table about this long, which is about, what, uh, 10, 15 feet long table. And there was a birthday party for this old guy who's sitting where you're sitting, and he's shaking. He's shaking. And they're singing happy birthday to him. And you look. I promise, Muhammad Ali. No kidding. It was his birthday. Wow. Does he live out there? He, he lived out big there. Big Auburn be- fan? No, he lived out there because I think of his Parkinson's. Okay. So this is prior, obviously he passed away, but you know, prior to him passing, passing away, but he didn't say a word. He ate his cake and left. 
And that was it. That's, so. an, that's, that's a pretty – I met Willie Mays one time in a boxing wow. match. But you put like, – those are some heady names. Those are – I mean, a, you see Muhammad Ali sitting where you're sitting. So, so that brings up – so Muhammad Ali, many will argue, is the greatest athlete of all time, however you want to define athlete. Yeah. Um, Bo Jackson is kind of right there too, right? So in you terms want to talk of, Mount Rushmore? We've di- yeah, yeah, no, we, we, we've, that's right. We've discussed Mount Rushmore, several different topics on this podcast. I think that the direction I was going to go is the, the Mount Rushmore of greatest athletes. You can define it in so many different ways. I mean, you can say Bo Jackson was a great athlete because of his ability to play multiple sports at a high level. Muhammad Ali, a great athlete because of what he did. So, okay, tell us what, you, what, what is your Mount Rushmore of greatest athletes? And I thought about this. I thought about this long and hard, whether to put Bo in there. And I didn't. I'll tell you why I didn't put Bo in it, because I don't think he had a long enough career. When he got hurt, you know, on his hip, I think that really stymied him from being his potential, right? He wasn't the same afterwards. Even though he played at the highest level, he wasn't the same. I would say number one would be Brady. You know, he's, he's a GOAT. I, I can't He's the stand him. Quarterback of all time, certainly can't argue that. You can't argue that. He he is the goat. I would say for me, number two would be Jordan. You can't argue that. And then this is where I go a little bit different, where I didn't put a Muhammad Ali or anybody else. I would say number three is Pele. And I'm not a soccer fan, but Pele is global icon. Global icon. He did so much for the sport. He is to me. Whenever I think of soccer, it's Pele. You know. And four, when I think of people who've accomplished things that are beyond, like, you know, just normal trend setting, I'd say Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps, that's a good list. Yeah. Um, Michael Phelps, most gold medals of all time. You can't, can't I argue mean, with that. I mean, when he got, he, he, he was ready to start any race. You knew it was over before it even started. Ridiculous going back and forth. And he did it forever, too. And now with the Winter, the winter Olympics coming up, you've got um, – Oh my God! His name's escaping me. The, oh, the, uh, uh, the redhead. The redhead who's just winning everything. Um, I don't know, well, but he—he's—he's he's amazing too. So if I'm thinking about this question, Bo Jackson has me thinking about. I'll take a different direction than you did about the greatest multi-sport athletes. Okay, because that's a—that's a different discussion, right? I mean, he's him and Dion. I think are Brian easy, Jordan was right? one. I think Brian Jordan is one. But I those, think Bo. Those are the three, um, at least from our era, mm-hmm. that. Uh, the jump out the most. Um, there was a guy, you know, Jim Thorpe, way, 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 way back, was big-time Olympian. He did all sorts of, of, of different disciplines in the Olympics, and he was a baseball player too. So I think that, that for our purposes or for my purposes, I'd go in no order. Dion, Bo, Brian Jordan, to be an all-star in two sports at a professional That's level. That's pretty legit. You're right. Freaking amazing. It, it is. But some of the things that I thought Bo was just a specimen of an athlete. I, what is he doing these days? You don't hear much from him. I, I don't think he's doing too much. I don't think he has to do much. I mean, I think he made a little bit of yeah. change. The business the of being of being Bo is uh, is, is good business. Yeah, he comes to Auburn so. a good bit. He, so I think look, his daughter goes to Auburn. Yeah, so look, I, I've, I've very much enjoyed this conversation. Um, I'm sure there's tons of other things we could get to. Um, but what we've talked about, I think, has been pretty good. Anything else you want to make sure we discuss before we uh, – part ways and just commit to do this again no man anytime you want me to have come over i, I love this i can chat i'm a not shy i guess yeah. so the tequila was very good these these ranch waters um you know tequila's comeback 
or resurgence the last five, 10 years is pretty incredible, right? Like think about what you used to think about tequila. Yeah. It would like take a shot of Jose Cuervo or something just Watch to out for the worm on the bottom. Yep. Yeah. Now it's like a specialty cocktail. I'd, I'd say that like between tequila and then Brussels sprouts, like they're come back the last couple of years. Hey man, don't mess with the man who loves his Brussels sprouts. I love Brussels sprouts. I always love Brussels sprouts. I haven't. So I'm saying is like, I feel like, you know, whoever is running lobby for tequila and, and Brussels sprouts, like they're doing a good job. They're making their money. They because, are. Because this, this is good stuff. So I love it. Uh, Bo, thank you, sir. No, thank you. Uh, I appreciate you, uh, you being on the show. Anything else you want to add? Or are we good? Just a war eagle. <laughs> so what's your prediction for, for before we finish what's what's auburn's record next year in football oh gosh i just hope we have a winning season let's start with something small let's go with a winning season so seven and five is something you'll take <sighs> that's a hard one it'll be hard i hate that's where y'all are at but yeah if you get the right hires and you never know in, implement the, the strategies that you're talking about you'll get never there. know about so Hey, everybody, thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please hit the subscribe button and give us a like. Until next time, keep chopping.